Welcome to Broken Potholes. I'm your host, Sam Stone. My co-host, Chuck Warren, not in studio, not on the line. He has got the day off. But joining us today, we will have Marissa Hamilton, guest who's been on the show before. She is following the audit here in Arizona, national news that is taking up a lot of breathless time from a lot of liberal commentators who are pretty much getting everything wrong about it. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about our legislature. But before we get into that, I need to just call out a little certain someone here. Because, Marissa, you know I love you. You know we are thankful that you are on the show. But I'm going to admit, you were not my first choice for a guest today. With Chuck out of the studio, I was going to invite the ultra-liberal, ultra-progressive, far-left Carlos, Councilman Carlos Garcia. In fact, I did invite him. Interestingly enough, he's not here. Now, come on, Carlos. You and I have had this conversation before, buddy. You said you wanted your chance to, to uh, say your piece. And I gave it to you, and you didn't show up. Didn't even respond to that email. All I'm saying is if you really believe that we should defund the police department, as you apparently do, if you believe we should not be allowed to have a border, as you apparently do, you should be able to defend those things. But if you can't, well, I understand, because frankly, those things are indefensible. So frankly, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And no one else out there should be either, folks. This is what we're getting with the left today. They have these radical positions. They can't defend them. And they won't. The only place you ever see them is with friendly hosts on places like CNN and MSNBC. <sighs> People, we got a lot of problems in this country. And when you can't even talk about it, when you can't come on the air and defend your own positions, I'm not going to give them any credit. And I don't think anyone else should either. With that, I would like to welcome to the show Marissa Hamilton who does have the courage to show up and be here. Marissa, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. I am thrilled to be on the show again. And, and have you ever turned down an opportunity to discuss or defend your positions, no matter who invited you? No, especially from the left. I relish those moments. So do I. No, you know, look, folks, if you've got a left, if you've got a program out there on the left and you want me to come on there and you think you, you know, you're going to get get over on a conservative by having me on your show, bring it on. I'll be there. So will Marissa. So will plenty of others. The left never seems to show up to defend their own opinions unless the, the game is rigged. I think that tells you everything you need to know, folks, if you're listening out there. That tells you how bereft of actual value the progressive left has become. They have no values. Their beliefs are really only in their own power. And their positions are designed to magnify that power, regardless of how many people they hurt. Now, you know, Sam, there was a, a South Phoenix Block Watch meeting that I was invited to during the campaign last year, and Carlos uh, was invited to attend also and speak. I was delayed in getting there, so I wasn't able to speak myself. But as soon as I walked in, he gave me those awful I hate you eyes 
And I went up right after purposely to go shake his hand and introduce myself formally. And because we obviously know of each other and he scurried out of that room like a scared little pansy. Um, it was hilarious. Even some of our law enforcement were quite amused. You know, and, and you hit on something here. I don't think most people realize. If you're talking about this defund the police movement that's going on across this country, you're talking about something that's supported by 15 percent of the population. And a big portion of that number doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. If you ask them, and, and we've seen some of these statistics come out, there was an, a recent survey that showed, asked people how many unarmed black people were killed by the cops in 2020. Marissa, how many, how many would you think that is nationwide? I believe it's somewhere around 18, if I'm correct. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty close. It was 24. Now, those are unarmed by, in, meaning they did not have a gun or a knife. Several of them were doing things that were deadly at the time. For instance, a couple of them were using their car as a battering ram, which is a pretty good weapon. 2,000 pounds of steel will kill a person pretty quickly. So 24 Absolutely. nationwide in the year. How many, Marissa, would you think people responded that there were? I think I read that, and it was 1,000 was yeah. the most common a thousand was the most common answer. A thousand. There were a lot of people who thought it was ten thousand or more. Even on the right, the majority of people overestimated that number by as much as tenfold or more. Now, this isn't to say that when you have an incident like this, it's not a tragedy, that they shouldn't be avoided at all costs. And, you know, look, Derek Chauvin needed to get his dang knee off the guy's neck and be a professional, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, the narrative that is out there in the public on these issues and the reality of these issues are two entirely separate things. And that, I believe, is why the left never shows up to try to defend their ideas when there is anybody who can challenge them. You know, Sam, I remember when I worked at the city council office with you and serving under Councilman DeCicio that we had a 43 percent increase, if I'm if I remember correctly, in assaults against police officers that year, that the narrative was that our police are, are extremely racist and rapist and yada, yada, yada. But the truth was that we had an extreme increase in assaults against police officers, and those issues were, were, were self-defense responses. Yeah, and we're seeing that across the country. I mean, you're, you're talking back in uh, 2018, we had a huge boost, and we had a, a number of people get shot by Phoenix PD that year. Well, as you just alluded to, that was really entirely about people pulling guns. We hired an outside firm. They came in. They did an analysis of every single incident. And their entire conclusion was, well, your training's good. You're doing all the proper things. Your, your officers are following procedure. And people are pulling weapons on them and pointing them. And I'm sorry, folks. I have no sympathy for that. If you pull a weapon on a police officer, you point a weapon at a police officer, you're going to be shot. That's all there is to it. And you should be. It is absolutely ridiculous what these folks are doing to our police departments across this country. And so I want to extend not just Carlos, Mayor Kate Gallego, Councilwoman Yasemin Ansari. You, you three are the most liberal members of that city council. You're all welcome on here. I will take you all on three on one. I don't care. Because I don't believe... You can stand 
and actually defend these positions that have no basis in fact and are attacking officers when the vast majority of our citizens here in Phoenix and across the country want more police, they have no interest in defunding them. With that, Marissa, I want to move on to the audit. Obviously, folks, you can hear I get a little passionate. I get a little tight about this because, frankly, I've been dealing with this at the city of Phoenix for four years. We've seen these protests get worse and worse, expand across the country. And the fact of the matter is there are times when police make mistakes. There are times when police do wrong and they should be held accountable. But that does not mean we should be defunding the police. There's never been a situation anywhere, anytime in history, when the destruction of law and order benefited poor people anywhere in this world. Period. You know, Sam, I am a survivor of domestic violence and the Phoenix police saved my life. And so every time I see this narrative come out that our police need to be defunded, the truth is, is that means that there is a woman that's calling to plead for her life, that the police need to be responsive within seconds, preferably. And that's not possible. And last year we had, what was it, 180 or 175% spike in domestic violence deaths. We absolutely need to increase our police funding and increase our patrolling. This is a matter of saving lives. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I would add, Marissa, because I know your backstory a little bit. There's two things that saved your life, a police officer and a gun. Absolutely. Two things so the actually, left hates. During that, yeah, during that time, I did not, I was, I was um, almost anti-Second Amendment. Um, I was scared of guns. And I tried to train in every way possible as an, an alternative to carrying a gun. And it just came down to that. That was the only option for me to be able to save my life. And until I trained and uh, trained on how to use weapons, um, my abuser did not leave me alone until that happened. Yeah. And this is why the attacks we're seeing across the country on the Second Amendment really are so pernicious right now. You just saw, I believe it was Oregon, pass a law that requires guns to be kept locked up in a safe in a home. I mean, really, that's the only way you can have a gun is you keep it locked up in a safe unless you are specifically like taking it to the range or theoretically trying to respond to some sort of attack. But if you're responding to an attack, Marissa, because I know you've looked at this because you had to for your own safety. How long do you have to get to that gun? You have seconds. You have less than 30 seconds. Seconds. And, and, that, and actually, that's the reason why I um, added dogs to my household, <laughs> is to buy me some time so I can go and access that weapon. I, you know, I think it's always a great idea to add a dog to your household, folks. If you're out there right now, we have plenty of wonderful shelters around the valley that have dogs that would love to be adopted. And they will help protect you, just like they did for Marissa. But you can also, you know, play with them and things like that, too. Dogs are pretty fantastic. So go get They're a dog amazing. and a gun. Right? And train. Learn how to use your, your gun and your dog. <laughs> you know, I, I watch episodes of Me and the Dog, so I think that's a great idea on both fronts. Um. No, this is a serious issue. I know we're kind of joking about this, folks, but this is a serious issue. When politicians pass these laws, they don't understand. They, you have the same politicians that are trying to defund the police that are out trying to disarm our citizens. And that is absolutely insane. You don't have – the police are not going to be at your house in 30 seconds, are they, Marissa? 
No, in fact, I mean, even I have, I, I still have a grudge against the Phoenix City Council because I am not allowed to carry my weapon into the building. And when I was working late one night, um, a man that was experiencing homelessness and, and a mental health crisis tried to assault me and I could not get to my vehicle and I had to cower behind the building as I waited for police to show up. And I hated having to experience that feeling again. And um, it was it, it was evil that the city of Phoenix, that Kate Gallego made me go through those emotions again. Unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. We're gonna keep talking about this. We're gonna get to the audit. We're gonna get to the, some of those other things we wanna talk about, broken potholes, coming right back. It's the new year and time for a new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from godaddy.com today. Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your host, Sam Stone, my co-host, Chuck Warren. Off today, on the line with us, Marissa Hamilton. We're talking guns. Guns. Guns terrify people, don't they? And Absolutely. Usually they terrify people who don't know anything about them. Because, personally, I've never been afraid of a gun. But I am terrified. Well, not terrified, let's be honest. But if I'm going to worry, I'm worrying about the person, not the gun. Because that same person can kill you with a knife. They can kill you with their car. They can kill you with a hammer. More people get killed with hammers in this country every year than get killed with so-called assault rifles. There's plenty of ways to kill people. That's a reality. It's awful, but it exists. And protecting yourself is one of the most important things you can do. Get a gun. Learn how to use it. Get a dog. Train it. Get control of your own life and your safety because when we went to break we were talking with marissa about a situation when she walked out of the building at city hall and was accosted and had to call the police because she wasn't allowed to carry a gun now marissa for those folks who don't know how many officers approximately are stationed at city hall at any given time oh my goodness what at least 10 yeah five to ten yeah eight to eight to twelve i mean at any given time we have we have you know, somewhere around a dozen officers in that building. They're in the building right there. How far away is the police headquarters from that building? About a block? Two blocks? Yeah, two blocks. Not even. Kind of short blocks. Kind of short blocks. Yeah, Those I mean, you, you can literally, if you're standing behind City Hall, you can see the parking lot just down the street for police headquarters, right? So the reason I'm saying this is because you call for help. How long did it take to get to you? Still about 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes, folks. This is what we're talking about. Last this month. Last month, me and uh, and one of my colleagues had met for a meeting um, in a downtown Phoenix restaurant. And in the parking lot, um, a homeless man came up to us and threatened us with a 457 if we didn't give him a cigarette. <laughs> I did not. That's a lot of, was, that's a lot of firepower for nicotine. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't able to get to my vehicle. And so I had to 
Um, so I, I kind of just, you know, used my training to uh, de-escalate the situation a little bit. And then he finally said to us, you're backed in a corner. What are you going to do? He didn't know I already had 911 on the line and I just put it on speakerphone and he started backing off. But I remember when Greg Stanton, while he was trying to disarm us in the same situation uh, during the day, though, this was at night during the day, Greg Stanton was at a Thai restaurant and a guy with a hatchet came up to him and he threw his wallet at the guy and ran into the restaurant endangering everyone else. That's the difference training, folks. That's the difference it makes. You can be the guy throwing your wallet at someone, running, cowering into a restaurant, or you can be the person that de-escalates and gets the bad guy with a gun to go away. And of all the times that there was no one standing there with a video camera, because they seem to be everywhere in this entire country, the one time we could get that video of Greg Stanton, which let's admit it, it would have been glorious. Because we know, I, I just want to have heard the scream. I want to heard the scream when he threw the wallet at the guy and ran the other way. Because, yeah, yeah. Come it on. took 45 minutes for a police officer to show up at that restaurant for me, by the way. But let's defund the police so it takes an hour. I mean, this is what we're talking about, folks. The response times. When you're in trouble, you need police there now. How are you going to do that if you cut police departments? We already have a department that is hundreds of officers smaller than it was 20 years ago. Our city's gotten bigger. Our population's exploded. How are we supposed yeah. to protect you if we're cutting the police budget? We cannot. It is that simple. I spent, I spent 45 minutes going up to passerbyers. I tried to keep track of them that were you know, walking because we have a lot of pedestrians in that area to warn them that there was a crazy man um, threatening people with a gun. Yeah. And... Um, I don't think the average citizen would know to do that or would be equipped or trained to do that. No, they absolutely would not. And I'm, I'm going to give you another situation that happened personally to me just a few days ago. Uh, there was a fight between tenants at the apartment complex that I live in. Uh, family, family dispute that turned violent, turned into blows being thrown. One of them eventually pulled a gun. The police were called. They showed up. They arrested these folks. But the liberal lean in our justice system, this is what happens. This guy who had multiple, multiple arrest record, who had assaulted a family member, committed property destruction. And when they arrested him, was combative with the police. And it turns out had a bunch of crack cocaine in his pocket, like a sellable amount of crack cocaine. And he, was, he went to jail that night. And I got a call the next morning at 9 a.m., from the victim service unit with the Maricopa County Sheriff's Department, letting me know that the judge had released him. Here's somebody who's a danger to his own family members, who's dealing crack cocaine, who has committed acts of violence and threatened and pulled a gun, and they don't keep him in jail. Folks, we have a messed up country when you can do all of those things and there's essentially little or no consequence. And then at the same time, somebody who says something or flashes the OK sign on Twitter is a racist who can't have a job and needs to be driven from society. This is where we're at. We're coddling criminals and we're crushing everyday citizens for no reason at all. It is. I mean, we have we have the reporter from Gateway Pundit who is uh, 
basically Katie Hobbs is trying to have him uh, arrested and have Homeland Security do a, a threat assessment against him because he asked her why is she opposed to the audit. Yeah, I, I saw actually a clip of that. And, and it was so funny because all the news here, right, they're screaming, oh, you're not a journalist if you're following someone down the street trying to ask them questions. Are you kidding me? Did we not just witness four years of the press's treatment of Donald Trump and every individual in his administration and every individual who stood up for him doing that and more? It's ridiculous. And Katie Hobbs is ridiculous. This is what we're getting, folks. It's unbelievable. Now to that point, Marissa, Katie's not real happy with with the audit going on here, is she? She is definitely not. So tell us a little bit, because I know this is a big national story. Everyone's following it. We're going we're gonna to get deeper into this when we come back. And we have about a minute here. But what is the point of this audit? For folks who don't understand it, what's the point of the audit? The point is to evaluate our election processes, procedures, and the integrity of our election so that we can then improve our policies in Arizona and have 100% confidence in future elections. Okay. See, this is the this is the point that everyone is missing. And thank you, Marissa, because that was a very clear explanation of it. The national press is acting like this is is real is some effort to reinstall Donald Trump and remove Joe Biden. And it's not that. This is a look at the election to see what we can do to make it better going forward. Because if you look at 2016, 70% of Democrats thought the election was stolen. There was fraud. 2020, 70% of Republicans thought the election was stolen. There was fraud. Folks, the integrity of our system is more important than the feeling of either party. And we're going to talk about that more when Broken Potholes comes right back. It's the new year and time for the new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from godaddy.com today. Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your host, Sam Stone, my co-host, Chuck Warren, out of town today. On the line with us, Marissa Hamilton. She has been following the audit here in Arizona, big national news, very closely. Made a great point right before we went to break. That audit is not at all about what a lot of people are thinking it's about, what what the national press is pretending. It is entirely about finding out what went wrong with our last election and fixing it in the future. Right, Marissa? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, this is actually our third election cycle that we have had issues um, with the election, uh, the process and the function and operations of it. Um, In 2018, Adrian Fontes went rogue on us where the courts actually had to get involved to stop him from some of the bad things that he was doing. For folks who don't know Adrian Fontes. when, When you have the media say that this was that, 
2020 was the most perfect election ever. Well, that's compared in to the huge foobars from Adrian Fontes in 2018. Sure, it was perfect in comparison to to what happened then. So, uh, but that doesn't mean that we act, that we didn't have problems. I mean, we heard a lot of testimony um, in er, in early January about some of the bad experiences that a lot of the voters and observers had. Um, you know, I was receiving tons of calls and emails about the problems that people experienced. And, uh, and, and you know, my team actually did some uh, investigation on this and we investigated uh, voters over the age of 90 uh, to look at the claims of having deceased voters voting. And yes, we indeed found that about 10% of our sample size were voters that were uh, likely deceased based on LexisNexis. And about 10% of those voters uh, cast a vote according to um, Maricopa County. So it it is definitely something that needs to be investigated. Um, what this audit is going to do is it is it's specifically uh, counting the ballots. Um, and it is also doing a forensic analysis of the ballots itself. And, and it's really looking at a lot of the um, conspiracy theories that have been out there uh, that have muddied the waters on what happened in the election. And so we want to make sure that we have full transparency as to what happened, full accountability as to what happened, and make sure that we don't have voter suppression in uh, in the situation of voters not wanting to come out to vote because they don't think their vote counts in the next election. So it is it's so important for us to do this work. And you know, I have about 20 years of experience in the supply chain and and help to create a lot of our standards of traceability and chain of custody, and master data management and. And so looking at the way that the audit is being conducted in the scope of work, um, I'd like it to be a little bit more comprehensive, but what we do have is the first time in, in, in the history of our nation, as far as I know, that such an effort um, has, been, has been attempted and we need to make sure we see it through. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I've said from day one, I actually think the answer for this is really actually pretty simple, but it takes a little bit of money. It takes some more staffing on election days. And that's to go back to using the analog optical scanners, which we used to use for a lot of elections, and which the SATs have been scored on for 60-plus years until till very recently. Over those 60-plus years, I don't remember anyone complaining about the accuracy of their SAT score, right? No. And, and an analog machine is not hackable because there's no software, right? Anything with software can be hacked, can it, Marissa? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I come from the technology world and, and absolutely anything can be hacked. Um, we even know that um, there have been hacks into blockchain. And so anything that's technology related is not 100 uh, percent security proof. Um, even Dominion has gone on record um, saying that that there is no way for them to um, eliminate all fraud. So it is something that we need to investigate, and I'm happy to see the audit happen. I would like for them to add signatures, uh, signature validation. And uh, <laughs> the other important thing is that we protect the audit by holding uh, the legislature accountable for not closing the session called signee die. We need to make sure that we hold that um, session open so that we can protect those subpoenas and, and see this audit through. We're, we've got about a minute and 20 seconds before we go back to break here. But Marissa, I want to ask you a question. You, you, me, everyone else, we have those electronic uh, credit card readers and devices that require your signatures these days. How often does that signature match the signature people write on paper? Oh, rarely. Or never? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anyone, you, you folks, you've all done this out there, right? You try to write your signature on those screens. It doesn't look anything like your signature on with a pen and paper. It's not close, right? Now, Fontas, for those who don't know, Adrian Fontas, the now former Maricopa County recorder, changed the system so that you could go online and submit a, a permanent early voter request and sign the application for it. That's the signature that they're verifying against online on your computer. Now, this isn't even the one where they give you the little pen by the machine. This is with your mouse. Folks, try to draw your signature with your mouse and tell me how close that is. There is no way those signatures can ever be verified. Broken potholes coming right back. The political field is all about reputation, so don't let someone squash yours online. Secure your name and political future with a yourname.vote web address from GoDaddy.com. Your political career depends on it. Welcome back to Broken Potholes. This is your host, Sam Stone. Chuck Warren, not here in the studio with us today. On the line, Marissa Hamilton. We've been talking about the audit. We've been talking about signature verification, which can't possibly happen or be accurate when you signed your form using a mouse on your computer and you're trying to compare it to a ink signature. The two never look alike from any human on this planet. The only person or entity that can do that and match it up is an AI. So if we got robots voting for us, this will work great. Otherwise, this system doesn't allow any verification at all. It's a joke. It's a joke, folks. It does allow for lots of ballot harvesting to go through, though. Side Benny, if you're the Dems. Hey, hey. Yeah, that's what it's about. We all know it. All right. Moving on, because we have some other really important stuff here in Arizona to talk about. I have to give a giant shout out to our state legislature. Holy cow. These folks are killing it. People, if you haven't been paying attention to what the Arizona legislature is doing, the and it is entirely the Republicans. We have a one-vote advantage in each each chamber. They are staying united. And they've done some amazing, amazing things. One thing they just did, civil asset reform, civil asset forfeiture reform. Now in Arizona, the government can't take your property away for an alleged crime until they actually convict you of the crime. Makes sense to me. Does... Marissa? Yeah, huge. So the the interesting thing about this is that last year um, we had a unanimous support for this in the Senate and then Dems killed it in the House <laughs> because they said, yeah, Dems killed it in the House because they said that they needed the funding um, to they had a million excuses as to why they needed the funding. But essentially, they want to be able to steal from poor people to fund their pet projects. That's what it came down to. Yeah. And and. You know, look, I should be honest on the Republican side. There have been some really awful Republican uh, local attorneys, local law enforcement, like Sheila Polk. Sorry, Sheila. But frankly, you've been ridiculous. You've used this law on people who had a joint in their car to take the car. Now, yeah. look, I don't care what you think about someone smoking marijuana. I don't care what you think about someone doing anything else if it's not harming someone else and you you're taking their car 
you're the evil person, not the one who's high. I mean, that's all there is to it. You're high. You're crazy if you think that that's the right thing to do. And fortunately, the legislature stepped up, said it ain't going to happen anymore. It's a good day. But then there's CRT, critical race theory. Marissa, tell us a little bit about, real fast, about critical race theory and then what the legislature did. So critical race theory basically is the ideology that says that simply by the color of your skin or your uh, gender, that you are inherently racist and bigoted. And they then reframe all of history for all of time to then re to, to reframe all history as being racist, as every politician in the history of America, um, every leader, every activity, everything is racist. The entire motivation for everything that's been done in the history of this country is to keep black people down according to critical race theory, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Every law, including including they will find a way to say uh, civil asset forfeiture reform racist. (laughs) Well, some somehow all of a sudden the civil rights movement of the 1960s that was the single most important political movement in the history of the United States since our founding. Somehow that was they're, they're throwing aside the achievements. They're denigrating the achievements of the civil rights movement because it didn't bring bring around Marxist equity. All they did, you know, all those heathens did back in the days was try to make sure everyone was equal under the law. Dear God, we can't allow that. CRT calls for eliminating the Lincoln Memorial because abolishing slavery was racist because it wasn't Marxist enough. In fact, (laughs) I mean, I would argue that slavery is Marxism, um, but that's for another time and place. Yes, it's a great point, though. It's a great point. So they're doing this, and, and CRT, I mean, it's literally being used to resegregate college campuses. CRT is racism, folks. I don't care how you want to frame it. I don't care how you want to excuse it. This is, this is people who are pushing a racist framework on America for their own personal benefit in their careers. These are poverty pimps, and it is yeah. gross and disgusting in what they're doing. And the legislature stepped up and did something about it. Tell us about that, Marissa. Well, shout out to Jay Coffin, because not only did they do this in our classroom, but Arizona took it one step further. And Jay Kaufman submitted a bill that passed yesterday um, that also removes the same type of propaganda from government. And so that means that government entities cannot have this uh, CRT training at any level of government, including Phoenix City Council. Sorry, Kate and Carlos, but you're not getting it anymore. Somehow, I, I imagine that explains the panicked email I received, along with all the other chiefs of staff at City Hall, saying we're reviewing the impact of this law and we will get with you as soon as we can. I think there was some panic going on in some of those offices, wasn't there? Oh, absolutely. I can just see heads exploding. And the city manager being like, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to um, undo all of our employee education. Yeah, they're literally I mean, so so, you know, folks, they have literally been running this series now for over a year where if you go to these CRT based trainings at the city of Phoenix, you take time off your work and then they actually give you extra pay and bonuses and things like that for having gone to these CRT based trainings that teach you to be a racist, that teach you to be bigoted. 
it, it also basically completely undoes Carlos's and, and Kate's anti-police committee. Well, that that, too. I want to get to that also. The rules there now, they the legislature passed a law that says that two thirds of any board that is reviewing the actions of police officers must be made up of police officers. Right. Did I get that right? Yes. I believe so. And also the civilians have to have 80 hours of training, of police training. So they actually have to go through training themselves to learn about the job that they're theoretically going to be judging. Yes. If if you remember, this is something that I campaigned on. And yes, I said indeed. that um, the anti-police committee is an anti-police committee because you have people that are completely untrained. They inherently purposely are chosen for their bias against the police, and they have no idea, none, how the police actually operate. And I recommended that people that are on this committee have to go through and graduate the Phoenix Police Civilian Academy. Which you did. I did. And I also graduated from the FBI Civilian Academy. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a good one. How were they different? Uh, so the FBI Civilian Academy goes through every single department within the FBI and um, trains you as to how they operate, but they also go through some of the high-level cases. What's very interesting, though, is they have a very thorough program on um, one on civil rights and identifying if something is a hate crime and what the distinction is. And then two, they also uh, have a very intense program on how they interact with your local police department and who's playing what role. You know what, folks? I I'm going to have to check that one out for myself. That actually sounds fantastically interesting. Encourage anyone out there who wants to do that. Join, come to Phoenix and Go through our Civilian Police Academy. Learn a little bit about what these officers go through, just like Marissa did. Before you're going to judge. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, learn. Learn. Uh, Marissa, we, we've got about five, six minutes left here. And I wanted to touch on something that's coming up here in Phoenix, but also relevant to last night. I think it was a pretty good night last night for Nigel Farage, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I am thrilled that he is coming to Phoenix on May 25th. Um, at 6 p.m. at the Deuce in Phoenix. Um, we Tickets are selling out fast, though. Um, tickets are free, and we already have almost two-thirds of the venue uh, RSVP'd. So if you want to um, get your ticket, you can go to uh, my website, ezaz.org. Again, that's ezaz.org. Um, tickets are, are on there. And um, please take an extra second to take our survey on when you want the legislative session to end so we can get some of those election integrity bills um, in there and protect the audit. Awesome. Awesome. That's a great website, by the way. EZAZ.com. I love that. Dot uh, org. Dot org. Sorry. Dot. Yeah, no, good Good point, because you're actually doing that nonprofit. Uh, yes. Now, now, Nigel's coming into town. He's going to be speaking with Kari Lake, uh, who's also going to be at that who else is going to be there? Kari, for those of you who don't know, and you should definitely check out the video, spent 27 years as a news anchor here in Phoenix. She and John Hook, probably the most recognizable, long-term faces of the media in Phoenix. And she walked away from what is a, a really well-paying job, a very prestigious job, walked away in the middle of her contract because she was so disgusted with the direction of the news industry. That's a big step, folks. The big step. Kari's going to be there. Nigel Farage. Who else is coming that night? So we have Reverend C.L. Bryant. 
Um, he mm. he is uh, a he's a reverend that actually stepped away from the woke church and um, really became popular during the Tea Party movement. A super strong American, loves our country, um, fights against CRT. He's uh, a black Southern reverend, um, amazing, very powerful speaker. Um, and yours truly, um, I will be there also um, teaching about how we, because it's not just enough to go and, and go to a rally and get excited and activated, but it's important for us to know what steps to take next. And, you know, I'm so excited about Nigel being there specifically because he basically started with him, another dude, and an office. <laughs> and they were told that they were going to have no impact in Brexit. They were basically the losers of the political world. And they ended up uh, really creating a, a movement and a mission to take back their nation and, and make Britain great again, for lack of a better term. And he is coming here to rally our, our um our activists here rally people that have never been involved in politics at all and let them know that you can make a difference. You as an individual, as just a regular old citizen, can make a difference beyond voting in the election and now, save our country. Marissa, I, I want to bring up a point here about Nigel because he, to me, is one of the most interesting political figures of this century. Here's a man who showed up and was called every name in the book. He's a racist. He's a white supremacist. He's a Nazi. This and that and the other. Why? Because he wanted Britain to stand on its own two feet once again, separate of the mm -hmm. EU. Now, I don't know how separating yourself, one largely white country, separating itself from a bunch of other largely white countries is racist. Someone's going to have to someday explain that to me. But they called him every name in the book. They did everything they could to cancel him before cancel culture was a thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's interesting is that the biggest part of that had to do with trade because the EU makes terrible trade deals and it was crippling Britain's economy. And he wanted he wanted Britain to be able to be financially successful as we need in America. Yep, absolutely. And here's the thing. They said this was going to be the end of the Conservative Party in Britain when he showed up. This was going to end the Conservative Party in Britain, right? Now, folks, if you've been paying attention, a lot of people here in the States haven't because our cousins across the pond, we don't always love them, but we do most of the time. We did last night. If you're a conservative, conservatives across Britain last night dominated the elections. Dominated Absolutely. them. And that's Nigel's legacy, folks. He didn't kill the conservative party in Britain by standing on his principles and standing for Britain first. He made it stronger just like Donald Trump did here, just like people like Marissa are doing out there. Marissa, real quick, we got one minute. I want you to give us the information again. I'm going to this event, folks. So if you want to come see me there, definitely get a ticket. They're free. Marissa, tell us how to do it again. Sure. Go to the website easyaz.org. And also, if you become an EasyAZ Monthly Pie Club member so you can support our work, you will get reserved seating. So again, easyaz.org. Get your ticket from FreedomWorks. I'm so excited about this event. You do not want to miss it. Wait a minute. So so you can get a ticket and pie? Folks, you got to take this deal. You got to take this deal. So, Broken Potholes will be back next week, but we don't have pie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>